What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at talklouder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, talklouderpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And today we are joined by Kurt Dimer uh, and his guitarist, Phil X. Uh, upcoming band, I would say. Uh, Phil's got some uh, some past experience. He's the uh, guitar player for a guy named Bon Jovi. Uh, he also spent some time in... Uh, yeah. uh, you've heard of him, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I've got some records over but there. But Aldo yeah. Nova. And yeah, he Aldo was Nova. In, he was in Triumph. He was in, He's a Toronto-based guitar player. Yeah. Uh, he's got look look him up. Just everybody look look up Phil X and you'll understand what's going on. His partner in crime, uh Kurt Dimer, is an entrepreneur, singer, actor, guy. Very interesting combo, uh, Phil and Kurt. Yes. Uh writing songs together since twenty twenty. Um, it was kind of a match put together by Chris Lord Alge, who's a, an infamous famous, if you will. Uh, writer, uh, producer, mixer of many of your record collection, I'm sure. You at yeah. least have one that's been mixed or that Chris Lord Alge has worked on. Um, these guys are an interesting pair. I like how Phil describes how, you know, when he first heard Kurt's voice and read his lyrics, how he was, he was inspired by how different uh, it was coming off to him and it, and it, made it easier for him to write songs with Kurt. Don't you, I mean, it was cool to hear he like yeah. led with that. And, uh, I thought that was a good, a good start to their relationship. Yeah. He said, Phil said he was drawn to Kurt because Kurt stood out as being unique in a, in a time and age when it's kind of hard to find anything that really stands out. So, yeah. uh, th that uniqueness is sort of what drew the, the two of them together. Um, They've these guys, these lot. guys work hard. Yeah, they yeah, work hard. And very honest, very honest folk. So. I think uh, since late 2021, they've been out as direct support for Jeff Tate. They went out with Ingve Malmsteen, and they're currently out with Tesla. So uh, they're promoting an EP called Work Hard, Rock Hard, and they're with us today on the Talk Louder podcast. Phil X and Kurt Dimer. <laughs> Guys, you are getting ready to uh, kick off a tour with Tesla. And, well, first of all, let, let's go back. How did you two guys meet? Because Phil, I know, grew up in, in Toronto, Canada, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And, Kurt, I don't know where, where you grew up, but for some reason I have it in my head that you guys are from opposite ends of the world. So <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong and tell me how you met. It's Toronto, hey, Cincinnati. Toronto, Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Then I grew up all over the country. My my father got he was in the oil business, and every time he got a new job, I, I had to move like eleven times before I graduated high school. Yeah, so it was I'm, great. I'm an Air Force brat, so I understand. But if but if I was born in Toronto, uh, Phil and I would have gone to the same high school and graduated the same year. So we're about yeah. a month apart. Yeah. So how did you eventually meet? The internet. <laughs> really. Yeah. Oh, everybody needs to know. Yeah. We, we were on this dating thing. 
I was, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna ask, but hey, you guys hooked up. Yeah, yeah. So you, well, somebody swiped right or whatever. <laughs> well, I DM'd him on Instagram. I said, "Hey, well, you you want to be in a band with me? You look like you're a pretty good guitar player." So that's how we met. Wow! Really? <laughs> I bought the. I, hey, I, I it was chum, it chum in the water, and I dove in. Wow! Yeah, right, I bought right. it too. In all seriousness, in, in 2020, everybody was going nuts because nobody knew what was going to happen, and uh, all my tours got canceled, and uh, I basically. Uh, God, was in June, people started making music again. I, I, I always have a studio wherever I live, and I do sessions at home and then upload guitars and get PayPal the next day and stuff like this. So Chris Lord Algae was getting me some work. And then he said, uh, I mean, Chris Lord Algae is no uh, slouch. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. He's no. a winning mixer and a producer now. Yeah, he said, I'm working with this guy, man. I really need to... I really need to make the right moves and I need you to get on the guitar for this thing. And uh, it was a cover of Cigar. And uh, it was it was pretty wild. You know, I, I listened to his voice and I was like, wow, I haven't heard a voice like that before. So in this day and age, it's so complicated and uh, very um, not common to find something that's unique because everybody's either doing old school something or new school something that kind of sucks or everybody sounds the same and nobody sounds different anymore. So it was, it that intrigued me having something, you know, like a, this could be like a, you know, hard rock Leonard Cohen thing, you know? Yeah, but, I get that. But it's it's just, uh, I played the guitars on it. Kurt listened to it, he kind of was really dug it. Yeah, and, then we did, <laughs> and then we did more songs and then, uh, and then he asked me to write. So he said, hey, man, I'm going to send you lyrics. I'd love you to you know, do something with it and make, put some music on it. And then we did that. And then that was the thing for me that just locked it in. It was like, holy shit, we're doing some great stuff. So it's just, you know, I to me, music has to be honest. So he would send me a ton of lyrics, and I would look for something that I connected to. And then, oh, wow, I connect to this. And then a song was born. And uh, we hit the mark every time, it seems like, you know, it's pretty cool. Wow. So uh, chemistry right away then. What was it about the song Have a Cigar, uh, Kurt? What, why, why that choice of cover? What about that song resonated with you? Well, it, I had, I had original, my original uh, uh, writing partner. I, we were writing a bunch of stuff together that I had taken to L.A., um eventually you know it'd been going on for about a year and he kept trying to push pink floyd cover and i'm like oh my god well i mean i don't know about doing a pink floyd cover i love pink floyd and that that wouldn't have been the one i would have chosen but uh when chris heard our little demo of what he wanted to do I, yeah chris said hey let me show you what we can do with this this is pretty cool um, you're new, and let me just show you. And I said, okay, well, show me, Chris. I, who am I to argue with Chris? I mean, I'm, you know, he's working with me on all my other mixes. And that's when he brought Phil, Phil into it. And when I heard that solo, and I heard how he wanted me to do my vocals, and he was letting me be myself, and I saw that we were honoring a great song, doing it our way, and not trying to sing it like Pink Floyd. I was sold and uh, 
once I heard that solo and I cut my vocals, Phil heard those, and then we met and we shot that video you'll see on YouTube and the rest is kind of history now. I mean, it's the first time we met was on the set of that, and uh, that's how it all came together. So without that song, I was reluctant to do if Chris didn't really bring Phil and I together and push us on it. Uh, it may never have happened, but I'm so glad that we did it. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah, um, some of the other songs, uh, your EP is called Work Hard, uh, Rock Hard. And um, there's a song on there that I, I like uh, called Hero. And one of the things I like about it, uh, lyrically speaking, is, um, you know, it, it obviously pays tribute to people that we immediately consider to be heroes. You know, our veterans, first responders, uh, people like that. But it also gives equal time to more unassuming characters in the world who are also heroes in their own unique way and they don't make it the news or the headlines or whatever so for each of you was there ever a time in in your lives where someone so you know basically unassuming turned out to be a hero for you oh me my my whole life um i i wrote that song kind of on the you saw the other song that came out on uh Father's Day, my dad. My dad was always my hero. And, you know, I had a lot of, you know, issues to deal with growing up and things to figure out in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I always did the best I could. And I always knew I had a lot inside me to offer to the world. But my dad kind of guided me through some dark times and was always there for me and always made sure that I kept on the right path. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I hate to go into all the stories, uh, but they would trip everybody out, but my dad was always there for me, and he, he's my hero. But I also want people to realize, okay, let's say you get, we're all going out for a nice dinner, and uh, we have a, a great waitress, and little do you know, she probably has a couple kids at home, probably paying a babysitter to go to work, doing a great job for us so we can have a great time. Leave her a nice tip. Why, why not? You might help out her family. You might help her sick mother. Um, you see a lady crossing the street with a bunch of bags. You know, I, I hardly ever see people helping the elderly around town anymore. I want everybody to know they can wake up. You might be on your way to work and a car crash occurs uh, up the road from you and there's somebody trapped in the car. You could be a hero at that time and get out of the car, but how many cars passed? I want to instill the mentality in others that if we all take that mentality of being a hero, think how much better the world would be. You it's know pretty I mean? easy. It's pretty easy pretty to make someone's awesome. day. You know what yeah. I mean? It's really pretty. easy to make someone's day. All you got to do is just try. Yeah. And, and people, try. people don't. People just have to focus. Phil, uh, what about you? You know. You know, throughout your life, is you know, my dad too. But you know, sometimes. Uh, Anybody that offers anything, I feel like even you, you uh, just moving around anywhere and someone just walks up and goes, hey, you all right? And you're like, um, yeah, I guess I'm all right. And if somebody just says, you know, it's going to get better. That's yeah. like those three words, right? Um, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it, it is going to get better. Thank you. I can have a better day now. You know, it's kind yeah. of. It's, it's it's so simple and I mean I see so much stuff on, on the internet right now but people just doing really really crazy stuff and I, I don't even know how we got here 
uh, it seem to be going the wrong direction. But uh, if we have people like us that feel like, you know, you can help out or you can do anything, make somebody's day or anything positive, this is, this is, let's just say positive. What's, what's wrong with that? You know? I agree. Yeah. 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 So much negativity in this world. And if we can bring um, a positive message to people, even if we touch a few people in a different way than everybody else in a crowd, you, that, that's what I'm proud of because yeah. maybe I can help change their life when they go back home. And I just Phil, want people to think. Phil, did you notice right away the the positive messages in Kurt's lyrics? Was it easy? Did it make it easier for you to write the songs with his messages being being uplifting? Well, there was um, there's a couple that were like, "I'm going, dude, you're really angry." <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I haven't heard those songs. <laughs> well, let's see, yeah. The, the first one we did together was back at the school, but I mean, like I was talking about a connection, right? He sent me the song, and it's like back in the, back in the day, when you went to school before the internet and trolls and the keyboard warriors, uh, you settled stuff in the in the schoolyard, you know, mm-hmm. after school. So, so when I, I did that, he did that. So when he sent me that a lyric about that, I was like, oh man, I totally get this. And bam, that was, uh, okay, this song is going to be aggressive. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And then, um, and then there was a couple of other ones. Naive, I think, is still my favorite. Naive is the last, is, uh, no, it's on that, that uh, Work Hard, Rock Hard EP. And uh, it's our closer of the show. And it just, it leaves people just wow. It's it's that one to me was really cool because everybody's got a situation. Everybody's in a situation where you really have to open your eyes and just make sure you're not being being taken advantage of, and just be, make sure that you you keep some people at a distance because they don't want they they don't want good things for you. They want bad, good things for them, leaving you in the dust, kind of thing. So. A people, a lot of people are naive to that. So that when that song came down the pipe, it was kind of like, did I say pipe? Yeah. <laughs> when, that, when that song came down the pipe, um, it was uh, like, wow, that's really that's, that's that's killer. Another aggressive song. But then, yeah, the messages for me, I really dig. Uh, and I feel it live. You know, we've done we've done a ton of shows. And uh, when, when Kurt does, when we do um, what you're saying to me, and Kurt does this little talk to the audience, like, hey, be good to each other and stuff. It's on the record. He does it live. There's variations of it, but the message is always clear. And you look at people going, wow, this is it's really intense. Yeah. yeah. And then when we do, when he says something, here's a song for the first responders. There was one night we were playing and I'm, everything's blazing. And I heard this lady in the front go, that's me. <laughs> it's like, wow. That's, yeah. I mean, that, there's something really honest and, um, and, and uh, just personal about that. So people yeah. become a part of the show really quickly. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, when a song is speaking your language, you're that in the, they're, you know, you guys are letting them in because that's your invitation. Is right. If, if we're all speaking the same language, there's there's no question that, you know, fans and artists just become one. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's great that you guys are doing this. You can write an aggressive song like a naive, you know, I was, you know, getting into the music business later in my life like I did. 
you know, I got taken advantage a lot, uh, but I don't want other people to get taken advantage of in life. So I wrote a song naive to get all my anger out of my brain. But even though I was angry at the situations that had happened to me, I tried to write the lyrics to help other people not make the same mistakes and be naive in their own lives. Yeah. And same thing in back of the school. It's, it may sound aggressive, but you know, people bully each other on the internet and I want to call them out. And I don't think it's right that people hide behind a computer and like shit. And uh, that's basically what it's about in a way where a lot of these uh, folks nowadays can't remember back you know, back in the day, back in the school, but a lot of people can. And maybe it'll create a conversation where they might ask their parents or somebody else, what was it like back then and how, how can I be? I'm always looking to hear a little tidbit of information on how to help or obvious what you can do. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I want to jump around a little bit. Uh, were you were you just oh, oh go ahead, you, Phil? Go ahead. I you actually jump around a little bit. Oh no, I don't have the energy yet. I've only had one cup of coffee so far. Uh, uh, Kurt, were you just like losing your mind uh, cutting a vocal and making a video with Jeff Tate? Yeah. Or were you guys old pals and you guys get tired of each other already? Or what? how did we, that go? We, we have become pals, but uh, you know, my manager is Andy Gould. And okay. uh, yep when Andy decided to take a chance on me, and this is before any of any, anything ever happened, uh, as far as Phil and I writing other stuff together at that point, the timeline gets a little murky because it's all happened so fast. But Andy brought on Paul Gargano with him, who as a co-manager, and Paul is a huge Queensryche fan and knows the tapes personally. So if we're getting ready to release Work Hard, Rock Hard, um, they were like, we'd like to do it. Let's, approached Jeff about doing a collab and Paul reached out to him and we all, I flew to LA and he flew down from Seattle and uh, we all met for dinner one night with our management, both of our camps. And uh, we agreed that night and over that weekend to uh, do video, have him featured on Burn together with the Let Me Pick. I thought it would showcase my voice versus his instead of us, you know, because we're so different. And uh, then we agreed to be a support, direct support for our first tour together. Uh, the first tour Phil and I went on for Dimer. I would and, call that a successful business dinner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very, uh, one of the most successful business dinners. And you know, Jeff, Jeff and I became friends at that, and he was very gracious. And uh, I will, you know, never forget what he did. And hopefully, we can do that for people in the future as we continue to grow. That's yeah. what life's all about. That. Yeah, Phil and I were tripping. We're on the video shoot with Jeff, and Jeff's full bore Jeff Tate out in the middle of the desert, 160 degree thing. And yeah, it's, it's like when you hear uh, when you hear that voice, it's one thing, but when you hear that voice come out of that face, it's like <laughs> yeah, angelic. It was wild, crazy. Wow. You'll have to tell Paul Gargano I said hello. I used to write for him at Metal Edge for about five years in the early 2000s. Edge! Yeah. I will, man. Um, so you did, you mentioned the first tour with uh, with Jeff Tate. You're, you were direct support for Jeff Tate. And then shortly after, you're direct support for Yngwie Malmsteen. And, uh, and today, you are getting ready to kick off a tour with Tesla. So you're, you're 
doing pretty good up, up at the batting plate here, my friend. So you're out with Jeff Tate, then Ingve, now Tesla. To me, Tesla sounds like um, it might be uh, a more a better pairing for you based on the type of music you do. So walk me through the quickly the what was the audience like when you were opening for Tate and then Ingve's audience I would think is 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 pretty tough pretty tough crowd and then now you're getting ready to go out with Tesla you haven't been out with Tesla yet so you haven't really experienced that but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're probably a little more compatible take me through those three tours real quick and tell me how the audience responded to you I've been calling Tesla a better fit <laughs> since we booked it I'm like no that's a that's a better fit just song wise, you know, we were, we're a song band, but, uh, our, you know what? We, we learned a lot touring with all those, you know, with, with Jeff and touring with Ingve and we, we got to a point where we thought, okay, you know what, we're, we can take an audience that's not even there to see us. That's never even heard of us and kind of win them. We can win a room with our music. And we started doing that and, person by person, head by head, they started turning in our direction. And then when we were done, they were like, oh, what, you're done? You know, so it was really exciting to see that. The Ingve thing I was kind of worried about because that is an audience full of like 500 shredders and uh, three girlfriends. We won a lot of those guys. I mean, there was people that are like, oh, I'm just waiting for Ingve. You know, there's people like that. Yeah. But even if you can, if you do a high ratio with those guys being the smaller number, you're doing well. So we, you know, Kurt would go out to the, the merch booth and, and people would buy, be buying merch. And people were like, never heard of you guys. And when we came tonight and I mean, they doesn't even advertise. So nobody, even, even guitar players didn't know I was there. Like I would post on Instagram and which, which I've learned, you have to make multiple posts because oh, yeah. people follow so many people, they miss stuff in their thread all the time. So I, even on the 20th show, people are like, oh, I didn't know you were going to be here tonight. I was like, what the hell does anybody listen? <laughs> a lot, a lot of the problem was on these tours and a lot of problem that a lot of uh, direct support and other folks are having is a lot of these tours have been rescheduled from a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Promoters don't go back and, you know, I mean, there were signs up for bands that weren't even on the bill on the Jeff Tate tour. And yeah, we're, we're, were we a little bit, you know, wondering how this might go with the Jeff Tate it went great. We converted fans every night. We've grown every time we've gone on tour. Ingve, that was a risky play, you know, but you're going out with Ingve Malmsteen. We're building our brand. We're building Kurt Dimer. We're building our fan base. And we went out every night. And like Phil said, I'd go to the merch booth and people would come and go, thank God you were here tonight. What a great night of rock and roll. Because you got to hear a rock band like us that's song oriented. And then you got to see Ingve. It wasn't two Ingves. It was another yeah, right. rock you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't hurt us at all. And for all the people that came out, uh, I mean, Bill saw it too. I mean, he, he, he goes out with me now too. And uh, we have people wanting our pictures with us and buying our merch. And yeah, that's, that's how so, it's done. That's how you, yeah. I, I've always said you win your fans one at a time. And like yeah. Phil was saying, how heads were turning one at a time. That's kind of what it was. They were waiting for a... a 
a word or a note or a phrase or a sound or a, you know a light is it takes a second for someone's light to turn on you know but once it does you're gonna see them again um there was yeah. a texas band on that ingve tour uh jessica from san antonio right down the street did that young lady have some pipes or what Thanks, man. great yeah. band guitar player jessica yeah yeah he he's amazing i think they're married actually yeah uh but you, she, so she can her? she can she sing her so balls fun. off she totally can for metaphorical yeah she <laughs> let's hope so yeah so funny because she's like, oh yeah yeah we're married we're also brother and sister <laughs> obviously yeah, she's, I, I, she's funny i caught on her i caught on her sense of humor really quickly yeah did she break out the sword did she do the she sword did. thing okay she did, make she did sword. that was kind of like wow it's a sword yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i just they, like it because there's great, great people I, yeah, I love yeah they are awesome good a yeah. good a great example of uh southern hospitality for sure yeah. they uh they're super talented and uh some of their songs are heavy as fuck uh yeah. Uh, I've done a ton of shows with them. I think Dave knows them. Dave's from San Antonio, so yeah. Um, I uh, I I really feel like Phil's discography is kind of like an explosion. Uh, Phil, when I read down through that, I was just like, okay, wait a minute. You were in Triumph for a year. Yeah, year and a half. We put out a record. We played San Antonio. Of yeah, course you did, because yeah. Triumph is huge in San Antonio. Triumph is huge in San yeah. Antonio, yes. Wow. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about that experience. And you also um, uh, spent some time with Aldo Nova. And I, I wanted, to, I was curious to know <laughs> if, I was curious to know if the Aldo Nova connection is what led to the Bon Jovi gig, because Aldo and That's John true. Bon Jovi go way back way back he uh yeah i mean <clears throat> i did we were to we were on john's label but um john i i don't think it, i can credit that meeting because i mean we went to john's house and i actually played guitar on, on john's burning token that elton john tribute song leave on oh yeah and that was back in 1990 and then uh you know, we hung out and then he got on stage with us in Houston at the Houston Summit and we played, uh, we played Blaze of Glory and oh, cool. he also traded verses on Blood on the Bricks, with, which was our single. Yeah. Aldo. Yeah. We actually, and then we actually, John Rogers came on stage with us and we played All Right Now. And that was, no. I was a kid. I was like, when, when you heard, when you hear Paul Rogers' voice come out of a monitor, it's it's goosebumps, man. It's crazy. Yeah. But so that was amazing. But I mean, I think down the road people were like that must have been the connection. But uh, John meets. You got to think of how many people he meets on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. How many bands he works with and stuff like this. And you know, you're looking 20 years later. You know, somebody put my name in the hat. It was John Shanks, and and John's like. That doesn't even sound like a real name. So he called his. I kept in touch with his brothers, Matt and Tony. So they're like, who's, who's this Phil X guy? And they're like, man, he was in Aldo's band. I don't remember. Back in the day. And he's like, oh, 
But then he called around some other people. He called, uh, uh, like, uh, producer. Okay, so John Shanks gave my number, and he, I had just worked with, I'd done a lot of work at the time with Howard Benson, so we called Howard mm. and said, hey, man, who's this pro-life guy? How does he look like? How does he play? That kind of thing. But it boiled down to, um, I didn't even audition. Basically, on John Shanks' word, they sent me a contract and a statement of confidentiality and a hold. So well, was, you're you're legit, man, so... There it is. Ask, yeah. ask Kurt. You're oh, legit. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> Just ask your buddy Kurt. <laughs> so, yeah. what was it like the first time you walked out on a stage with Bon Jovi? Because I mean, it just doesn't get any more big league than that. And and you've obviously had lots of experience in, um, on stage, but I got to imagine that's a whole nother stratosphere. Well, it's you know what it, it it got real really quick. Like uh, they actually anticipated. Uh, I guess I don't know what to call it. I don't know how to put it in in a in a nice light. They were expecting some kind of funk from Richie at the end of uh, April um, 2011, and then John called me on the 14th and they said, "Hey, uh, I was wondering if you wanted to come to New York at the end of the month and rehearse with the band for a couple of days, and then we'll put you on hold for May." Did you have to check your calendar? I erased everything on my calendar. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. Of course. I was like, I tore the calendar off the wall. I mean, because I got nothing. So, just to just to give listeners timeline, were you working with Kurt already at at that moment? No, we Kurt and I were twenty twenty. That's when. We okay. Were, All right. Yeah. Just just giving timeline for listeners yeah. and people and watching. My other band yeah. with my ex wife was over, and I was doing stuff with my band called Philax and the Drills. But when you get that call, it's like, you know, and I, I told myself I never wanted to be a, a side guy again either, you know. And, but when you get the call from John Bon Jovi, you're kind of like, wow, okay. This and what got real was putting me on hold for May turned into doing the entire month of May in 2011 because when I flew to New York to rehearse with the guys, um, Richie checked into rehab. On, on the eve of 13 or 14 shows. Right. So when I landed in New York, it was funny, I got in the van and uh, Tico was in the seat and I sat beside Tico. And I'm like, okay. And then, but when I'm, when we started rehearsing, like I just, I knew we were going to have a teleprompter. So I knew I could concentrate more on guitar parts and not have to memorize lyrics. So I'm reading lyrics and stuff like this and I'm playing guitar and I'm just nailing, 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 nailing and then Chico's like, who is this guy? Yeah. How's, how's he doing? You know, that kind of thing. He's the yeah. coolest guy. Where'd you get but, the magician to show up and play guitar? Right? Mm -hmm. So, and then, and then he goes, well, John says, well, look, uh, Richie's in rehab so you're, we're, we're doing Jazz Fest in New Orleans on Saturday night and that's uh, 50,000 people. So that was a good, piece of information to be informed of yeah uh, i mean I, people was like were you nervous and i was like i didn't have time to be nervous. if i would have been nervous they would have sent me home you know right they said, yeah nice try uh i just walked on stage and i go dude you've been playing a thing in your entire life it's just one of those songs hit it and then that's what i did i just went on stage to my best 
And uh, the, the funny thing was, was John didn't say who I was. He didn't introduce me or anything until like the encore. So I'm on stage thinking I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm doing a pretty good job. And, uh, but everybody, there's 50,000 people going, who the yeah. F is that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of funny. And then when he did introduce me, I wanted to thank Phil X for helping me out. You saw 50,000 heads look at their phone and go, who's the Googling me? Right. But the, the thing is, the audience saying, who the F, who the F is that? That means you, you won them one at a time. Well, I mean, that's, that's the job, right? I when mean, I, I'm, yeah, when I'm in the audience and, I, and I'm seeing a band and I don't recognize one, you know, let's say my favorite band, right? And I'm like, who the F is that? Because they're fucking killing it is kind of like, you know, that's where that's probably what was happening. I'm just going to throw that out there. Well, you know, it was funny. We, my wife and I saw Def Leppard one night years ago when uh, Steve Brown was filling in for Vivian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we were like, and I was like, I was who the is that? And she was like, hey, that's Steve Brown from Trickster. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's one of those guys, too. He's like, yeah, if he you don't know Trickster and you see him, you're like, what? Who the fuck? Right. So he's yeah, fucking yeah. good. He's good, he's good well, dude. I like the in your discography. I I fell out of my chair laughing because of the uh, the wording under each each record that you have you know con collabed or contributed or or at your record. Uh, the uh, the Rob Zombie shit. It's like the conversation. He <laughs> like you know legit you know Rob. Hey, can you play uh, you know Brick House with Lion? <laughs> Lionel Richie on, on Jay Leno, me, uh, yeah, okay, but there's a catch. You got to dress up like a zombie. Uh, me, awesome, <laughs> or some shit like that. That was fucking funny, man. It's like, not a catch. Yeah, it's exactly. Not a it's like what? What catch is that? It's you know every day's Halloween for Rob. So you know what? You got to picture my my Greek mother watching me on on Leno. And I'm in all this makeup and stuff. She calls me the next day. She's like so proud that I'm on TV. And she goes, why you wear a mask? Why you wear a mask? I go, that was three hours of makeup, man. Come on. Yeah, that's art. Um, I was a living yeah, art project. She had, she had explained all of her friends at that tennis club that it was part of the gig for me to dress like a zombie. <laughs> Well, at least she recognized you through all of the stuff, you know. Well, it, it, they put, I look more like a blue Shaquille O'Neal because they, they gave me this, like, I was bald and they gave me this this brow and wow. I'm like, it made my nose a little bigger. I'm like, I look like a blue Shaquille O'Neal. Wow. But <laughs> but were you wearing boots? Because are you eight feet tall? <laughs> no, I was wearing stilts. Oh, <laughs> um, I was I was, I was bouncing around, and it's funny because my my ex wife's there in the audience, and we were doing takes, and she's like, "Hey, if you stand three feet to the left, to your left, you'll be in the shot more." And I was like, "All right." And it was also the wow. first time. Like we did we did a take that was the band was storming the castle. It was amazing, and then somebody it was. Uh, there was a girl rapper on the track too and she kind of got lost and then oh. i think lionel got lost coming back in 
And this is my first time doing late night television. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And then at the end of it, somebody goes, okay, people stand by. We're going again in five. Yeah. I'm like, we get to do it again? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, so it's taped. Yeah, we could fix it. I was yeah. excited. Yeah. Perfect. Speaking of uh, speaking of Rob Zombie, uh, Kurt, tell us a little bit about. I've got uh, one last question here. Tell us a little bit about your uh, horror film franchise. Uh, you're starting off with uh, the first, I guess, chapter would be Hellbilly Hollow, yes. and um, tell us where you're going with this. And I, I love the Rob Zombie segue because when I hear of musicians doing horror films and trying to make more than one, you know, a franchise of sorts, I think of Rob Zombie. So tell me a little bit about your experience with this whole genre. Well, I before I even met Andy Gould, in case you guys didn't know, Andy Gould's the guy who, who managed Rob Zombie back in the day when he was coming up. He was his original manager, and that's who my manager is now. Um, just thought I'd share that with all your, all your folks. Um, I was in the Halloween movie in 2018 with Jamie Lee Curtis, the official reboot of the original. And while I was on that set, uh, yeah, I'm sitting in the in this gas station where we're shooting um, my scene that I get killed by Michael Myers. I'm sitting there with Michael Myers and I'm thinking as we're talking, I, I can do a franchise like this. They did this and got the original Halloween and then all the Halloweens in between uh, sequel. And I, I'm going to do my own horror franchise because I really enjoy being on the set of movies. Kind of thrust into that a few years ago. So I came up with the idea to do Hellbilly Hollow and create a, a new uh, iconic horror character. But instead of doing one horror character, we've got two. So when you see the movie, you'll see that we're like a horror duo. And I am just a complete nutfuck. And my brother is the guy in the mask. So that's how I came up with the concept. We wrote it, we shot it. And <clears throat> just because you shoot a great movie doesn't mean the movie will be successful. So I've had to, I've worked, it's been a labor of love for the last couple of years getting this thing ready and doing a post-production. I'm stoked, man, it's done now. And we're gonna be out actually promoting it on tour. Um, we've got some other prizes coming up uh, for the band. And, you know, really tying our band and our rock music to core is awesome as well. We've got seven songs on the soundtrack for the original Hellbilly Hollow coming out from Kurt Dimer. And uh, I'm really pumped about it, man. And wow. I'm already getting invites to horror conventions and uh, uh, the movie should be out hopefully within the next six to 12 months, depending on who our distribution partner is. So but that's kind of how that all came about. Wow. And I've already already written Hellbilly Hollow too. You know, I've written it with my uh, co-writer and uh, we're presenting that to the studios as well. Kurt, you're also uh, maybe not self-proclaimed entrepreneurial. It's like in your blood. You seem to gather no moss. You seem to have shit going on. As soon as you hang up with us, you're working on something. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's I, what I thought. I, uh, I mean, we only live once. Um, why waste time not doing anything? Um, if I can help other people, I started oil companies in 99 and uh, above my garage with a computer and a dry erase board and, uh, and a phone and uh, no distribution whatsoever. And I figured it out. 
And like we, we were talking earlier about the one fan at a time, people would go, Kurt, why are you delivering one case of oil up the street to so-and-so? This is back in the early days. I go, one case, is, one case at a time is how you build your business. That's and, exactly uh, right. Why would I say to anybody that wants to buy my product? So the same principle, I'm just carrying it over into the music world and the uh, entertainment world and doing the movies. And it, I've always wanted to do this, but I knew I couldn't do it when I was young. And that's why I stopped when I was like 20 and got my shit together. And I said, someday if I can do it, I'll do it. And here we are today talking. So yeah. I never stop. I mean, we're, I'm going to hang up right now with you. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to go outside. Phil's going to come over. We're going to go rehearse all night. So why stop? Yeah. Well, man, we wish you continued success uh, with your music and your and your film, uh, you know, endeavors. And uh, I know you're getting ready to go out on a tour with Tesla. By the time this episode airs, you'll be in the middle of that tour. So we wish you uh, a lot of luck with that. I think it's a good pairing. I think your style of music fits well with Tesla. And, uh, you know, you just keep uh, building that brand, man, from Jeff Tate through Ingve to Tesla and now this horror movie. Uh, congratulations on all of that, and we wish you well. Well, thank you. Guys you guys come shows? I'm sorry. You guys come into shows? Well, sure. You're in San Antonio, I think, on a Wednesday or a Thursday or something like that. Sure. I don't think I can make it to to San Antonio. That's about an hour and a half for me, and I got a kid in school activities school and all nights. kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and plus, I'm old now. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, that's that's yeah. my card I play too. <laughs> yeah, but you know, uh, we you would get to, we, if you get to Austin, come to Austin. It's easier yeah, you for come us. to Austin. Yeah. We might be able to do that. Yeah, is that what you guys you are know, both based out of Austin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, were, we were there with Jeff, right? I think we were. Yeah, there with, yeah. yeah we were there with Jeff. Oh, we played Anton, Anton's. Anton's, uh, right? Uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. It was, it was well, John, if you circle was back. John, was John Moyer playing bass for Jeff? John Moyer from Disturbed playing no. bass for Jeff? Okay. He fills in yeah. sometimes with Jeff. He's one of our buddies, yeah, too. He lives here, area. too, Jeff. Uh, yeah. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, again, like I said, we wish you continued success in all your many endeavors. Safe travels on the road and uh, knock them dead when you're out there with Tesla. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with guitarist Phil X and vocalist Kurt Dimer today on the Talk Louder podcast. 